everyone, and welcome to this month's Cab Chat podcast. I'm Dr. Mindy Waite, and we have with us, as always, Dr. Jessica Lockhart. Hello, everyone. And this week, we have special guests who you all will recognize from as the previous owners of the Cab Chats, Drs. Suzanne Hetz and Dr. Dan Estep. Good afternoon. We're so happy to Hello. be with you guys today. And if you if you will recall, both, as I mentioned, both of them are doctors, so they've got their PhDs. They're also cabs, and they are the owners of Animal Behavior Associates and a, a group that I'm a part of, the Behavior Education Network, which provides really incredible, um, I think it's, at this point, it's like weekly uh, education for anybody who is a, a professional in the in the uh, animal behavior field. And we've invited them here because we were having a Facebook chat about some news that just happened, oh gosh, early March, regarding the, um, the rescue dog of uh, President Biden. And so I don't know, have all of you had the chance to sort of, I have all the background on this, we're going to chat about it, but have you guys all had the chance to sort of uh, look at the the two dogs a little bit in the history of the of what happened. Well, yes, I we um, we looked at the history of the dogs, you know, from when they were walking around there on Valentine's Day, and then um, I also looked at the website of the apparently the trainer who mm-hmm. you said had trained the dogs. But I've never really heard a full description of the bite, other than he was startled by a Secret Service agent. So I'm um, anxious to hear what more detail you've been able to glean from okay. your. You might be slightly disappointed because as you can imagine, uh, there's there's not a lot of details, you know, from the White House about uh, what happened with this dog. But what I do know from what I've gleaned on, you know, multiple um, various articles about this is that the Bidens have two dogs, one of which is an adorable 13 or 14 year old German shepherd who just looks like an old man in every delightful way. And his name is Champ. And then the other dog who is relevant to today is his name is Major. And he is a three year old German shepherd um, adopted from a shelter in 2018. And w- there have been several interviews with the, the shelter where uh, Major was adopted from in that he came in as a with a litter of puppies. And it sounds like he was fostered by the Bidens. And then they essentially, you know, I don't know, people say like what foster fail, but I don't think that's mm-hmm. anyways, um, they adopted him. And so, you know, his history is a little unknown um, from before he came in with his, um, his, his litter. And apparently the litter was pretty sick when they came in and they were touch and go and they weren't sure if they would be well enough to adopt out to the public. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and then of course, he was adopted in 2018 to this very high profile family. And then, you know, President Biden became president and then he he moved into the White House in January and the dogs followed in January. And then um, I found some some information that Major has been, quote unquote, known to display agitated behavior on multiple occasions, including jumping, barking and charging at staff and security. And then on March 10th, there was, as you had said, Suzanne, some um, some incident where it sounds like he was someone was turning a corner the dog was surprised by a, um, a security officer and what I find very interesting is there's all these reports saying that there was a biting incident and the you know a bite had occurred and um, the quotes from the president are that major is a rescue pup major did not bite someone and penetrate the skin and the dog is now being trained with our trainer at home in Delaware and that 85 percent of the people in the White House love major which is my favorite hey, 85%. <laughs> so, okay. um, so what we do know is he, all I, I will say is he clearly put his teeth on somebody, but didn't break skin. And so it's not considered a bite quote, I'll put that in quotes. And I guess medical attention was not warranted afterwards. So that's 
all the information that is out there on this. Um, and now he's well, back I, in training. Yes. I think it's I think it's bizarre the amount of debate that'll go back and forth on <laughs> are we gonna call this a bite, right? Yeah. The, you know, the dog opened his mouth, he put teeth on you, he applied pressure, but he didn't break skin. So is that really a bite? And you know, for me, if if I feel teeth and it's not just glancing I threw a toy at the wrong time or we jumped and whatever, there's an open mouth and there's teeth on skin. I mean that's a that's a bite. And even the Dunbar bite scale, you know, there's a level one bite where no mark is left. Dog opens mouth, puts teeth on you, applies pressure and release. So for people to start debating back and forth, oh, can we even call this a bite? Um, I think it, it, it does one, it does two things. Number one, it highlights this bizarre apologetic excuse making that people have. And number two, it highlights the fact that the field is lacking in definitions and, yes. and kind of a agreed upon definitions of what is a bite and what isn't. Totally. Totally. I, I agree with that. Um, both of you. And there was a paper that came out. Didn't you review it, Dan, a year or so ago about, uh, it was about this very subject about definitions of bite. Oh, and was it I the Axley paper? Um, I don't remember. Was that the one where they asked a lot of people yes. what they thought was the definite, what a bite meant and how it was defined? Yes. I love that paper. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably might be more familiar with it than I am. Mm-hmm. What, what did it say? Yeah, so um, it was fascinating. I think uh, the the audience was uh, self-identified people who had been bitten. And then they had a variety of, of instances. And they said, do you consider this a bite or not? And the instances ranged from like, like dog is clearly like playing and, you know, uh, teeth touch clothing, don't even touch skin. Is this a bite? Uh, dog is playing and uh, teeth touch skin, but don't break the skin. Is this a bite? All the way up to like, you know, marks in the skin. And you're spot on, Suzanne. What was fascinating about that is like, I think it was like 60% of respondents said that if the teeth touch their skin at all, even if the dog is clearly like playing, it's a bite. So it really highlighted exactly what you're saying that we think we agree on what's a bite versus like mouthing, for example, we really don't. And and the interesting thing too about this is, is that that population that they surveyed were people who claimed that they had been bitten by right. a So these are people who have had experiences with bites, at least by their own definition, who are doing it rather than the rest of us who may never have experienced a bite. Mm -hmm. They're trying to put a definition on it. So there may be differences in definitions based on people's experiences. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with Jessica that if, if teeth touch skin with the um, you know, other than these accidental things, like, you know, when you're both going for a toy or something like that, that, that to me, that's a bite, whether it breaks skin or not. I don't think breaking the skin is the defining, uh, characteristic, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's pretty consistent with, I guess, how, I mean, maybe it's because it's news organizations, but the rest of the public, I shouldn't say the rest of the public, clearly the news outlets agreed because every article says it was a bite or it was aggression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there might be some political I know, I know, I know. Biden's dog gently kisses security officer with his teeth. (laughs) Biden's democratic leaning leftist dog. Uh, You said that there was um, some remarks about prior incidents. So there was no, there was nothing about prior incidents, but there, there was a description of his previous behavior. And that was, he had quote unquote, had agitated behaviors, including jumping, barking and charging at staff, which I thought was very interesting because charging Uh is a pretty, um, you know, obvious behavior. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, I, I, um, we, we've, we've had, we, we do some pet sitting as you guys know, and we've had three different shepherds in here in the last, what, three weeks, maybe something like that. And, and they were all very big dogs. One of them was just a hairy beast who was just fairly well-trained, but a little bit of a bull in a China closet, um, did a lot of barking, you know, like dogs do. And they would see people, um, see people go by the door, but he was a nice dog, a friendly dog. I never felt threatened by this dog. The the other two were scary and we ended up doing just um, daycares and no overnights with them, but their behavior was uh, a combiner and offensive stuff, I think. And they charged us several times when we had them here at the house. And that was, that was really scary. So wow. I could see that anybody who had been charged by a shepherd would definitely be scared and intimidated. I mean, yeah. I was, um, I didn't think these dogs were going to bite me, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the other interesting piece, and I, I do want to get, we'll, we'll chat about like, you know, what maybe what, what would have been done ideally. And then maybe what we would think, you know, should be done where we're at. But so there's some, <laughs> I watched way too many really bad YouTube videos of like trying to find behavior from these dogs. And one is an interview with Kelly Clarkson, who I didn't know had her own show, but she does. And she was interviewing first lady Jill Biden. And Jill had said that she is quote unquote, obsessed with getting the dog settled, you know, in their new environment. Mm-hmm. And she said some really interesting things about how, you know, what's different for these dogs now that they have moved. She said that they quote, have to take the elevator. They're not used to that. And they have to go out on the South lawn with lots of people watching them. And it really sort of highlighted for me that this dog who was adopted when, um, you know, Biden lived in his own home, it was between stints in the White House, um, that the environment that they have now been brought into is probably wildly different from the one he's lived in for the past two years, three years. Exactly. And I, I do remember seeing that. And I thought that was she made some good observations. And I think that kind of environment where there's people around all the time, um, sometimes unexpectedly, some they may get familiar with one set of people, they may there may be other people that they never become familiar with. And I think for a dog that was whose breed function historically has been to be, you know, protective and and not necessarily that welcoming to people not in the immediate family, it's a it would be a challenge for that kind of breed, including a shepherd Mm-hmm. in general. And that brings up the other question that immediately hit me with something that you said a minute ago was that the dogs are back in Delaware being retrained. Well, that's not the problem environment. <laughs> right. You know, if they're going to be um, helped to deal with the life they now lead, then they need to be helped in the environment that they are going to be living in that is challenging for them, at least in my opinion. Or, or some good approximation. Or some, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you can do a, a stepwise approach, but it, I don't think, I don't think helping them back in Delaware is going to be the answer to this problem. Right, right. And it's it's interesting you say that because um, I tried to find video when when they first said you know, these dogs are moving into the White House and everyone was very excited that Major is a rescue because apparently he's the first like rescue dog to ever be in the White House. And so there's kind of a lot of there's kind of a lot riding on him doing well, I would mm-hmm. say in this world. Um, 
And so I was really curious, like what his behavior looked like before he had moved. And I couldn't find any really good videos. Um, but we did find one video of him, you know, outdoors, as you said, on Valentine's Day, around a bunch of reporters with um, with President Biden and Jill there. And he's not leashed, which I think certainly can change the behavior a little bit. He's not in a tight space. And I, I sent the video over to you all. But mm-hmm. I, I'm curious what you thought of the behavior in what I would sort of consider an almost ideal environment with obviously reporters there. I mean, yeah, from what I saw, and I had seen that on the Today Show or, you know, someplace before, I can't remember. And it looked like he, I didn't see anything inappropriate. Now, maybe Mm -hmm. I missed something, but he was just kind of following his mom and dad around. And there were people there kind of at a distance, partly because of, you know, COVID, I think, but nobody was in his space. Right. Um, He didn't like, he wasn't running off charging across the lawn or trying to charge the, the line of reporters. So I, what I saw, I thought was, was quite appropriate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing I saw was that he obviously didn't approach anybody. Like he wasn't interested in, in, in getting up close and personal. Although I did watch a video of Kelly Clarkson, like calling for him and he was happy to thrilled to death to go say hi to her. So, um, so I, I agreed out on, out in this very open space where he's not trapped in any way, shape or form. Like he, he looked like he sort of minded his own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I personally wouldn't make a judgment about the appropriate of his behavior without having more detail. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's going, oh yeah, he was stressed and he was overwhelmed. Well, maybe, um, but you really don't know the circumstances of the incident and whether he overreacted and had like a six reaction to a two situation or whether the person who was bitten behaved in ways that made the interaction worse, you know, and and caused uh, a major to maybe get more agitated than he would have been otherwise. So I, I just, I'm not going to weigh in on that one unless I was the one who was consulted and could sit down and take a thorough behavioral mm-hmm. history and found out what happened. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think, uh, oh, I was just going to add, and this might be switching gears. So if we need to come back, <laughs> we'll do it. Um, sort of reading up, there is a quote where, you know, they, they were asking the Biden, basically, why did you get major? So they have a three-year-old and then they have senior German shepherd champ. And I guess they asked their vet what they could do to keep champ going mm-hmm. right? to keep champ mm-hmm. feeling young and the vet says get a young dog which is I think is on par to advice for when people say how can I cure separation anxiety and somebody tells them to get another dog <laughs> um, you know that without guidance going and getting another dog to be a younger buddy to a senior dog is a challenge in the first place what's the right age you know what's the right breed what's the right temperament there's a yeah. lot of questions and then if you look at the age difference so you've got a three-year-old which is sort of that that, you know, that's that developmental stage. It's right at that age where dogs kind of have that last little maturation in their temperament and personalities. And you can get a lot of behavior issues popping up that you might not have seen all the way in puppyhood or even seen a year before kind of thing. So I do think that his age is something that is worth noting as well. So you've got this, you know, this dog that's just finishing adolescence, coming into full adulthood, getting moved into another situation who, you know, I don't know how controlled it is in the White House. I've never, I've never been president. I can't (laughs) say, Um, but 
you know, it, yes, that's the reality. But you also have his buddy Major going through the exact same changes and the exact same living environments. And, you know, so to make excuses and say, oh, the only reason the dog acted like this was because X, Y, and Z, you know, unfortunately, you have a control buddy right there with him who's going through the same life changes, same life experiences with a, you know, clearly it's a different dog. But again, putting both dogs in the same situation and getting two different reactions, you know, I think the hand waving and just saying, oh, it's just because, you know, life was stressful. Yeah. That, that, yeah, I agree. It may, it may be a big factor. It, it may not mm-hmm. be. And go ahead, Dan. Yeah, I, can I circle back a minute and talk about? Um, I'll get. I want to get back into this, but I go back to the bite definition thing. One of the things that you know that you mentioned was is that he had previous um, experiences with charging people mm-hmm. and acting agitated. And you know, I just want to remind people that those are pretty vague definitions, uh, pretty mm-hmm. vague words. And really, having some detail about well, what did he look like? Where were his ears? Where his hackles up? You know, did he show his teeth when he charged? Was he barking? Or, you know, all of that kind of detail would give us and them, the Bidens and the people who are trying to work with it, a lot more information about that previous behavior. And of course, if we could get that kind of detail about the bite incident itself, that would give us a whole lot mm-hmm. more information as, as well with that. Yeah, I think it's uh, too soon to make assumptions really about anything involving this in terms mm-hmm. of appropriateness or inappropriate appropriateness or stress or who knows what. And what's really concerned? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting. I'm so glad you say that, Dan, because um, there within the last couple of days, I think a spokesperson for, you know, the family uh, came out because there was some public concern that, that by, um, that major is going to be euthanized as a result of his behavior. Yeah. And, and the spokesperson said, you know, absolutely not part of the family, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but it is interesting how quickly the public moved toward that concern mm-hmm. for a bite that they know nothing about. Yeah, exactly. That's really, that's too bad. Um, Cause certainly, you know, they didn't send the, the secret service agent to the hospital. Um, you know, there did no medical attention was required. So at least, you know, that you don't have a dog that was hell bent on her hurting someone. Um, it sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. based on what the, what the bite was not, um, that does, as I was Dan said, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be concerned, but mm-hmm. it also would indicate at least on the surface that you don't have a dangerous dog, you know, right there that needs to be dealt with right now. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, I yeah. mean, as, as Suzanne is fond of pointing out that, you know, when when dogs really want to bite you, they're going to do it. Um, mm-hmm. They can do it pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. And pretty severely. Yeah. So then um, I think the part that surprised me the most is I, I remember when the dogs moved into the White House, there was all this hullabaloo about like, you know, they're going in. And I, I again, I didn't know what what the dog's behavior looked like at the time. Um, I simply knew that one was a rescue German Shepherd. And I was curious, like whether the, the White House puts in baby gates and whether there's someone assigned, you know, to come in and like work with these dogs and slowly get them acclimated. Like, I mean, in my mind, if someone, if I was rich and I was moving into the White House, I would hire a trainer to like come in and essentially work with my dogs for three weeks straight or however long, you know, it takes for them to get acclimated. But like someone's watching them at all points in time just to see what they look like. They're training the staff how to interact with my dogs. The dogs are in a controlled environment. Um, So obviously I don't know if that happened or not, um, but I'm kind of guessing it might not have. Yeah, that's a real proactive approach. 
which is relatively uncommon. I can remember when we were uh, writing up or creating some, what we called behavior wellness plans for veterinarians to discuss with their clients. One of the things that we uh, included in that was to have people, uh, have the uh, veterinary staff routinely ask people, are you anticipating any changes in your life? Do you see a move? Are you going to be taking on um, a roommate? Is somebody retiring? Is somebody going back to work? Are you um, going to have a child in the next year or so? So that the veterinarian could then proactively recommend, well, whatever change is coming in your life, let's talk about how we can prepare your dog for it. Because some dogs may acclimate to change, no big deal. Some changes are small, no big deal. Some changes are big and will be a big deal. So yeah, that's a really good point that um, trying to prepare the dogs for this would have been a good idea that perhaps um, that if the Humane Society has a, a, a trainer that they work with routinely, um, but it goes back again to the point that I don't think this is going to be solved by uh, taking the dogs back to Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have c- some concerns about who might be mm-hmm. working with the dog. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting you say that because I'll be super honest. I like I've seen choke chains. I've never worked with one. I'm pretty sure I know what they look like though, right? Like like but sometimes I'm sometimes collars look like choke collars to me and they're not. But anyways, um there was a I think it was a Christmas video that was made by the Bidens of the two dogs. And yes, I watched all of these videos and whenever Champ came on, my heart melted a little bit. But in the Christmas video, it did look like Major was wearing a choke chain. And so I do wonder and it, they did say that he had had training prior prior to this and that he's going back to his prior trainer for this, you know, re-upping of training. And so it, it does make me wonder in conjunction with the website I looked at of the, the trainer, um, which I found on TMZ, by the way. So grain of salt there a little bit, but, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it does, it, it does raise some concerns for me about what kind of training I would recommend for this particular situation. And it, it, it would not be a punishment based training. Well, yeah, on the trainer's website, at least the link that you sent me really focused on this idea of obedience and commands and control. And so if I was speculating, I would speculate that that was going to be the focus perhaps of this remedial training or whatever it is you want to call it. And that's not the issue um, at all. Right. So um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that's really a good point. This this really is one of those cases where this wasn't a failure in training. It, if let's assume that the reports that we've gotten are an accurate description of what happened, right? A dog is startled and bites and gives a somewhat inhibited bite, right? Let's let's just pretend like that's the truth at this point. Um, for me, that's not a breakdown in training. That, you know, a dog is skittish or a dog is inherently fearful or stressed, anxious, whatever you want to call it in the environment and is reacting to that emotional state. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he's, if the dog is in a mental state of I must defend myself and keep myself safe that's not he wasn't listening to a command that's a dog that's kind of on his back foot is unsure and is reacting in a way that is going to make him feel as safe as possible yeah. right? so fearful dogs bite because they you know again I'm anthropomorphizing fearful dogs bite because they want to feel more safe right they bite the thing that's scaring um, so all the training in the world isn't going to address that issue right and that's you know 
I, I think that's the dividing line between when someone calls and they're like, do I need a trainer or a behaviorist? What's the difference? What am I dealing? And so that's kind of where, um, where I sort of draw the line is like, if, if you had all the training in the world, would the issues still continue? And a lot of times, you know, yes, sometimes training helps address those issues. It, it gives the dog a little mental exercise. It, it does give the dog a feeling of being more in control of the environment because he knows what to expect. He knows how to behave. There's less ambiguity. Um, but that's not the same as, oh, if I just taught my dog to sit, this would be better. Yeah. And I guess it depends on what people mean by training. I mean, if they yeah. mean by training that, like you say, like general obedience and, and stay and sit and come and all that kind of stuff, then, then no. But I, in the broader sense, behavior modification, trying to change reactions and emotional states and all that can be thought of as training in a, in a broad definition. Mm-hmm. But those terms can get fuzzy and they mean different things to different people, yeah, like you said. Absolutely. And I think I, I agree with you, Suzanne and Jessica. I think my concern would be that if, if, if the trainer they're going to is historically focused on, let's say, obedience training and telling the dog maybe what not to do, then that's probably not going to be wildly helpful in, in an, what I assume is a relatively uncontrolled environment. Well, I guess it's not uncontrolled. Like, you know who everyone is in the White House, but you maybe there are so many people there. You don't have control over all of the people's behavior potentially. And so it, it probably is going to be very much focused on how do you ensure that the dog doesn't feel the need to engage in this behavior or um, or help the dog learn what to do instead in order to escape that is different from hugging people with their teeth. Well, and in, in this case too, it might be that much of this could be solved with some relatively easy management. Right. Um, I, I Again, we don't know the circumstances of the bite or what's possible regarding management. I mean, I don't know where these, you know, the difference between uh, the personal family residence and the working part of the White House. I mean, th- there's so many unknowns here that I don't even, I don't even know what a management program would look like necessarily, but it, to me, it would be something worth exploring because that's such a huge environment with so many different variables mm-hmm. that, that management might be the easiest way to work with it. But again, that's not going to happen if somebody isn't in there looking at, well, where do the dogs spend their time? What kind of access are they given to all these different areas? Um, you can't do that when the dogs are back home in Delaware on a board and train for, or something. That's just a waste of time. And <laughs> ask me how I really feel. <laughs> and I just, I just want to take a minute to highlight something that Mindy said, where she's like, you know, I've heard of choke collars, but I've never really seen one. I've never used one. I think that that really speaks to how far the field has come. Because yeah. I know, you know, when I started, you want to train a dog, go get a choke chain. And that's where you start. You know, oh my if you God, don't have yeah. one, you're not trained. Yeah, well, they wouldn't even let you in the class without a choke chain. I mean, that yeah, was yeah. the only tool really it was choke chains, pinch collars. It was the rare trainer that would let you into a class with a flat buckle collar. Yeah, and this yeah. was back. Well, I ha- heck everybody knows I'm old now, but that was, this <laughs> was back in the, in the seventies, late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even, I would say even in the nineties as well, that's sort of right where things were kind of like, Oh, there's this new clicker training, but get a choke chain for a backup because sometimes the clicker doesn't work, you know? Um, so anyway, I know that's totally off topic, but I really wanted to take a minute and highlight that good news, right? Reward the good. So I know it reminded me of like people, people who don't know what a rotary phone is. I mean, you know, (laughs) rotary phone, do they, do they roll? 
I do think um, when you have a timid dog or you have a dog that has reacted to a startle and kind of has the history that even the brief snippets on the news sites report, like the charging other people and mm-hmm. has no, it's been known to have XYZ. I mean, a dog like that really cannot tolerate punishment, cannot tolerate these kind of heavy handed forms of training. I think it, it just sort of chips away at whatever confidence they might be building to go in and keep focusing again on on the negative like no you did that wrong you did that wrong that's wrong 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 because that's what punishment based training is it's you know punishing the mistake um so you know i i do think um there's that, that to keep in mind so i do hope that major is um is with someone who is specialized in behavior and that can take a look at what's really going on there and something that i keep playing over in my mind is you know biden has only had a four-year break from the white house right and so yeah. champ has been with him through his first go round with a four-year break and now he's back so maybe they were hoping that champ would show him the ropes or maybe there was just a bit of a we've been here before kind of attitude for moving the dogs in mm-hmm. um that's you true. know champ yeah. and in fact they're probably in there with some of the same secret service guys and some of the same staff so yeah. there might have been a bit of a you know we're just coming home versus moving in yeah yeah the other thing i will say which is not related to behavior at all is um i'm i'm glad i know there was some news articles about like the dogs were gonna you know go to delaware and like stay there forever or something but in actuality that wasn't the case and they will be coming back to the white house at some point and um, i was very glad of that because i know you know if you're president of the united states of america like you have to sacrifice certain things i'm sure they sacrifice a a lot to do that but it made me so sad to think of the biden family potentially not living with their 13 year old german shepherd who would then pass away without living with them it just broke my heart so i'm i'm super glad that they're they're going to do hopefully some good training and that, that the dogs will be back because otherwise that's again a sacrifice I know the presidential family like could make because they would have to but just awful just maybe yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that that decision yeah. of having to um, rehome a dog who's truly dangerous or well if they're truly dangerous you can't rehome them they, they you have to make the tough euthanasia choice but it, there's we have no evidence that um, that majors falling into that category at all right well, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that there are a lot of people who are facing with that decision. And I I think that the Bidens are presenting a really good role model for this where they had to look at the environment and say, this is not the right environment. Let's try and rectify the situation. We'll try again. Um, Versus, you know, some people who are like, oh, let me make excuse after excuse after excuse um, and keep going down this road. And the dog's behavior continues to deteriorate, whereas they could have had an initial incident and either reached out to rehome with a friend or a better home or new environment or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that the Bidens are at least giving a good example of the right step for a situation like this. There mm-hmm. wasn't like a, oh, well, the environment was too stressful that day. He'll be fine from now on. We'll, we'll just keep going. Um, of course, maybe it was just because of the publicity that came with it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody gets a major news article about the bite yeah. that their dog gave. Um, so, but I do think that they're at least trying to set a, a model out there that when you do have a behavior issue, it is serious and you do have to make these tough choices. Like you're saying, Mindy, where, you know, their 13 year old dog, you, you 
making that decision to send both dogs away versus just the one. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that that was the right thing to do. So like in the immediate aftermath, just to yeah. ensure safety and yeah. Um, and it might be that they've seen a really close bond between the two dogs and separating them would be another emotional stress, you know, I, so they're making decisions. I don't know, right? There's so mm-hmm. much we don't know. And we're theorizing about, but dogs that have lived together, they develop a relationship and it could be that the younger dog just gets too stressed without the older one. So it makes more sense to send them as buddies. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's another, it's another unknown that I could see it going either way based on the history. I mean, maybe champ is like, oh, you know, if you sent yeah. me back and kept champ, maybe champ would be like, oh my God, thank <laughs> God that young whipper, yeah. whipper snappers out of my hair for a while, you know, or as you say, it could be that they've really formed a close relationship and separating them would be stressful. I just don't know which mm-hmm. yeah. way it would go. Or you yeah. Gonna... And I, I do think that's something to highlight for people out there. Cause I get those questions too. It's like, oh, well, we'll just send the one dog away. And I'm like, well, tell me about the relationship with all of your animals. How, you know, what, what is that going to look like when you send one away? Yeah. Um, because it, it is something that you need to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I had a question. Um, in my memory is fuzzy, but didn't there, wasn't there another president, previous president who had a dog that bit and that dog left the White House for good? Well, let me Google this. I, I think there was been one actually. Well, the reason I brought that up is, is that, again, I think that if, if there had been this kind of situation 30 years ago, then I think, you know, what people would have um, would have appreciated or would have uh, have wanted is to see that dog leave the White House. Like, no, we can't have a biting dog. Get him out of here. Well, and, it looks like the public would have been OK with that. But things have really changed. Yeah, you're oh, right. I was, I was going to add, it does look like Sonny Obama bit a White House visitor. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Oh. Well, don't worry, because Barney Bush apparently bit a Boston Celtics public relations director. Uh-huh. Well, and I was looking, there's one where um, uh, Pete, who was Theo- Teddy Roosevelt's bulldog, um, killed at least four squirrels Jeez. and took a bite out of some naval officers and cabinet ministers. And Roosevelt... <laughs> wave the incidents off as, quote, the nature of the breed or his attitudes toward their political stances. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So... Okay, so Dan, now that we have apparently uncovered like a really consistent history of bites by presidential dogs, <laughs> maybe I'm a, I'm much more surprised now that there wasn't more, or maybe there was. Again, we don't know how much thought there was, but there should be a lot of thought probably put into the transition and the care of these animals in such a public venue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This um this incident with the Teddy Roosevelt's dog. Oh my God, it gets worse. It <laughs> says Pete chased down the French ambassador down a White House corridor, ultimately catching up with him and tearing the bottom out of his pan. Uh, the incident made the news as Pete had a history of this type of behavior, but also because the French government fin- formally complained about the incident. So wow. he ended up being um, exiled to uh, the family's home in Sagamore Hill because they tried to place him with a local doctor, um, but he took a bite out of a lineman <gasps> who had stopped by to do some work at the doctor's home. So then he was, quote, exiled to the family Sagamore Hill home. So could have been a lot worse, it sounds like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. I think it's funny. Um, Hoover had a Belgian <laughs> Malinois who uh, I was, was for, as soon as I heard Belgian Malinois, oh no, a maligator. Um, but dog never bit anybody, but as soon as he moved in, the Malinois became a patrol dog and joined the police force. So... <laughs> 
So who knows what happened there? Oh my gosh. So yeah, apparently long history of this. Who yeah. knew? Who knew? Yeah. Oh my God. And Ronald Reagan had an Irish setter. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, dog was, was perfect, wasn't it, Suzanne? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was an Irish setter, because yes. it was Reagan. Come on, let's get it. <laughs> Oh, golly. Well, I hope everything turns turns out well for Champ and Major and the Bidens. Yes, I'm sure whatever happens next, I mean, now that the news outlets are on top of it, I have no doubt they will be letting the American public know, which I, is probably not a great thing. That's a lot of pressure to be under. Uh, but It is a lot of pressure to be under. And the the uh, I wanted to come back to one point that we kind of mm-hmm. talked around here about, uh, you know, them doing the, a good thing by trying to address the issue and uh, get um, hooked up with a trainer and that kind of thing. The, the the other side of the coin to that, and we've all heard this, talk to clients where they've said, quote, we've tried everything and nothing, you know, nothing has worked. That the issue there is, is everything doesn't always mean the right thing. Right. And I hope that the right thing gets tried here. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, I tried the shock collar and the prong collar and we sent them, <laughs> you know, we, I did starvation training. We did food. Wow. You did try everything, but uh, maybe. Well, or even, yeah, else. even on the other side of the coin is that, you know, some of these, some problems can benefit from a reasonable approach that says, no, you can't do that. And we have to prevent you from doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this so that we can get you to do the right thing. And, you know, the the other side of the slingshot is that doing anything that interrupts or prevents an animal from doing something is sometimes uh, painted with a black brush um, needlessly. So, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying to an animal in a reasonable, non-painful way, you have to stop. You, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, we, we, we can't let you do this um, because we can't teach you anything new if you're continuing to do this other thing and we can't get you to do this other thing just with offering you a treat because you don't give a darn about the Mm -hmm. treat you know so there has to be some other way of saying don't do that come on let's do this instead and it'll be to your benefit if you do yeah and so so we've we've thrown some things out there of you know the directions we hope that they go and the types of mm, protocols that we hope that they'll follow and types of professionals that that we hope that they will work with Um, I guess for just to depart if there are families out there who are in a similar position, not becoming president, not moving to the White House, but like they have a, you know, they have a um, an animal, I'll just say any animal um, that's a, any dog, I guess. And they're moving, I guess, what general recommendations would you throw out to them to help them like prepare for something like that? Well, I think I'd start with getting them to look at how is the new environment going to be different from the existing environment? And if the characteristics are pretty much the same, like they're going to have a fenced yard, you know, it's about the same size um, house, then, then you're you're really just looking at acclimating an animal from a to, from a, fam, a, a familiar place to an unfamiliar place. And acclimating to unfamiliarity is a little bit easier than if you're looking at a drastic change in routine or type of environment, um, that sort of thing. So that's where I would, would start with it is, is this going to be really different? And if it is, how so? And from what I know of my dog, um, how is he likely or she likely to react to that. You know, like Jill Biden said, Dr. Biden said, he's never been in an elevator before. You you know, we've worked with dogs who were totally freaked out by elevators going up and 
down because they feel like the earth is moving. Um, so how, what, what, how is it going to be different? And um, what do I think my dog is likely to react to this difference? And how can I help him acclimate better? I love that. Also, thank you for calling her Dr. Jill Biden. That is absolutely correct. I should have called her that. Um, <laughs> excellent highlight there. So, okay. Um, Jessica, anything else you want to add? Um, not right now. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. That's fine. Okay, so we will I could call you back at midnight and say, oh, I forgot this point. That's yeah. right. I might come up with something brilliant here in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, then I guess we'll just, we'll all watch the news. We'll see what happens. We'll cross our fingers. And I know that I've seen several uh, professionals who I respect have, have publicly reached out. I don't know if they've like reached out personally to, you know, the Bidens, but um, they've publicly reached out saying that they would be happy to assist with this. And I think, I think the ASPCA was one of those. So great. Um, so hopefully they get the assistance that, that they need and Absolutely. then they can all be together. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I will say that, you know, we're, we're kind of jumping on the same bandwagon as everyone else. Like, Oh, the president's dog bit. Let's, let's talk about it. Um, and hopefully what comes across here is that behavior issues are complex. They're not black and white. Um, you know, we've tried to highlight the fact that there's a lot of stuff that could have played into it that we just don't know about. Yeah. That no one's asked about that. No one said anything one way or the other. Um, a lot of people have come out and given complete black and white opinions on things like, Oh yeah, this dog is dangerous. Oh no, the dog was totally fine. It was everyone else's fault, you know? And, and I just hope that people understand without a really complete history, you just don't know. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, behavior is complex and, and it does take a while to kind of whittle it down to where do we really think the trigger is? What, what do we think really happened here? Um, and then develop a plan that's appropriate for addressing what we feel like we've uncovered. So, you know, I, I do hope that that what comes across, um, not just us sitting here going, oh, that dog bit, that sounds ridiculous or whatever. Um, so, you know, it, there is a lot to it. There, there's a lot more to it than just the dog bit. Well, here's the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, right? Yeah. Reserve judgment until we know more. Yeah. Okay. That was genius, Jessica. So I'm just gonna end it there, and we will see you all next month. Thanks so much, Suzanne and Dan. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Thanks for, for asking us. us. We sure appreciate it. It was fun.